Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. Well, that alone was worth coming this morning or tuning in today, and uh, I think this has already been a good day for worship. Certainly, it's good to be back. Karen and I have been in Virginia, and she's still there. Uh, We went to church last Sunday with our son-in-law. They did a 4th of July musical. They had sparks and fireworks in the auditorium. We'll talk about that for the future. I think there's possibilities. Uh, On the way out, Karen and I uh, stopped at the newest national park in West Virginia, New River Gorge. And those statements about a chasm spanned. Uh, 867 feet across. They've built a, an amazing bridge that has spanned that, but the gorge is, is a tremendous chasm, uh, but they made a way across, and I've just thought about that as this week. Uh, we took our grandkids, went to Gettysburg, uh, made my two grandsons walk Pickett's Charge with me. Karen dropped us off on the Confederate side, and we walked the mile up the slope to the angle and uh, from General Lee to General Meade. Uh, So we've had a good time. She's still there, and uh, she'll be flying back to Indianapolis on Tuesday, and I'll pick her up. And so uh, it's been a a good week for us, a strange week for Emmanuel, but maybe still it's a a good thing. Today I want to begin a a series, maybe three or four weeks, about some of the great concepts of Christianity. And today we're going to be talking about sacrifice. And we're going to be heading to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 in just a minute. But I want to tell you a story. And the story begins with this picture. Um, It's a picture that would have been great for last Sunday. It would have been great for Memorial Day. And uh, certainly good process. This is my uncle, James Robert Marshall. I've told you that my dad grew up on a farm outside of Ewing, Illinois, here in Franklin County, about a mile outside of the metropolis of Ewing. And in that farm family, there were three sons. My dad was the youngest, a twin. There were two daughters, five children. But this is his older brother, James Robert, and they called him Robert. Now, in 1939, dad graduated from Benton High School. There were no jobs in Benton at that time. There really just weren't. It was a tough time. The Depression was still hanging on, and he joined the Civilian Conservation Corps and went to a camp in northern Illinois, and uh, everything was going along fine until December of 1941. And the United States was drawn into World War II. His two older brothers enlisted almost immediately, and this is Robert's enlistment picture. His other brother, Howard, also enlisted. Dad came home from the CCC camps. They began to close up, and he helped on the farm. And that was kind of the the last remaining son, worked the farm. And after a, a little while, he decided farming was not for him, and he enlisted in the Navy. So you understand, a simple farm family went to church every Sunday, Wednesday night, prayer meeting, and now they have three sons in the military. So obviously every day... They're praying for their sons. Let me tell you what they're really hoping, whether they ever voice the words, they're hoping to not receive a telegram. But they got one. 
this one came. This is it. From the Secretary of War, he desires me to express his deep regret that your son, PFC Marshal James R., was seriously wounded in Germany on the 2nd of March, 1945. They get the telegram. They don't really know anything. In fact, the truth is, we still don't know anything. There were military records of literally tens of thousands of soldiers from World War II that were destroyed in a fire in St. Louis. So we really don't know. We know what regiment he is. We know that on the 2nd of March, his regiment had crossed the Moselle River into Germany. The war is really only months from an end, but he was seriously wounded. And a letter from a chaplain suggested it was an abdominal wound. And that's all we know and that's all that that family would know. The brothers didn't even know about it at all. But now they're hoping not to get a second telegram. They did. This telegram. The Secretary of War desires me to express his deep regret that your son, PFC Marshal James R., died of wounds in England on April 9, 1945. There, as best we know, about 290,000 homes got that telegram. Almost 700,000 got the first telegram that your son or your daughter, someone, has been wounded. Several months later, this showed up at the farm. This is a Purple Heart. It was awarded posthumously. Purple Heart is purple and it's in the shape of a heart. It has the the face of George Washington, and for all of the years of our country since the Revolutionary War, this is the symbol that someone has paid the ultimate price in war and has been wounded, or if they have been died, it's awarded to the family posthumously. We need to say this is something our family cherishes and takes very good care of. But here's why I really want to talk about this today is that it seems to me that that family, when I think about my, my mother, my grandmother, and my grandfather on the farm and getting these kinds of things, showing up at the door, and, and by the way, I also found recently a picture of uh, James, Robert, and my grandfather and a child, but I don't know who it is, but on the back, in my grandmother's handwriting, it says, the last time we saw Robert, he was getting on the train in Mount Vernon. I guess I would just say to you that I think that family and that generation understand sacrifice in a more significant way than, than my generation or maybe any generation. I think they know something about from the Depression, from World War II, from the telegrams, from that kind of experience. I think they know about sacrifice in a way that you and I probably never can and don't and the tragedy is that virtually everything worth happening in the kingdom of God involves the idea of sacrifice. Certainly our salvation, you and I have no standing before God. We have no hope of standing before God in the day of judgment apart from the sacrifice that is that through Jesus Christ and his blood shed on the cross. We understand that. That's vital. 
But I would say it goes even farther that literally there is nothing in the kingdom of God, nothing in this world that is worth experiencing that does not in some way carry with it an essence of someone making a sacrificial expression. And I believe that Paul understood that when he gets to chapter 12 in the book of Romans. A verse that I hope that you are familiar with, but one that I want you to understand very significantly today. In chapter 12 of the book of Romans, it begins, therefore, now you understand theologically, whenever you're reading the scriptures and you have therefore, you have to understand what it was before. The book of Romans is one of the most theological complete works of Paul. It's later in his life and he he basically spells out everything that is ours theologically in Jesus Christ. The Roman road to salvation previously that. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. I always go to Romans 5.8 then, but God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And then chapter 10, that by confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and belief in your heart, faith in your heart, you and I can be saved. And then there's the the statement about the sacrifice of those that go to preach the gospel, that significance. And then finally we get to chapter 12. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you, King James says, I beseech you. It's a passionate word. Because of everything that Jesus has done, this is what I want you to do. This is the natural response. I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. King James Version says reasonable service. And both translations are probably valid. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, there's not really any way to get around it. The imagery in that verse, 12.1, is Old Testament. It's the book of Leviticus. It's the idea of the tabernacle and that curted enclosure and just inside it something called an altar. As best we know, by God's own design, it was seven and a half feet wide and seven and a half feet deep and about four and a half feet tall. It was made of wood. It was overlaid with bronze. And there, there was a fire that was constantly burning. And individuals would come to the tabernacle and present a sacrifice. Typically, it was an animal. There were other things that it could have been, but you brought an animal, and and the priest accepted it for you, and then he took it inside the tabernacle, inside the little curtained area, and then he would take it and place it on the altar. Now, there were four kinds of sacrifices that were mentioned, really, basically four kinds in the book of Leviticus. One is the sin offering. That's probably not what Paul is talking here, but that's certainly what we know about Jesus, that he becomes the sin offering for us. There was also a thank offering. And by the way, the thank offering was mostly more of a harvest kind of thing. You, you got your crops in, and, uh, and if you had a good crop, and you, as a way of thanking God for his blessing, you brought a basket of the grain. And they would take one handful, and they would burn it on the altar. 
Basically, it was a way for you as a farmer to say, I know where all of my crop came from, and I'm going to acknowledge that God is the giver of that good gift. And by the way, what was left was livelihood for the priests. Probably not the thank offering here. Although the idea of giving and acknowledging that uh, if you get a check on Saturday, Friday, Monday, whenever you get your check, that's probably your harvest, and it's not a bad idea to say, God, I know where all of that came from. I'm going to give you a portion back. There was another one that was the fellowship offering or the peace offering. It's probably not that either, but that was fascinating. The idea was that you brought an animal, usually a a kid, a goat, a lamb or a calf, and you brought it, and the fascinating thing is you put your hand on it and you offered it, and then the priest would butcher it, and he would keep some of the meat for himself and his family, and then he would burn the inner parts that you wouldn't eat, and then he gave you back some of the meat, and you had a holy meal that was kind of inviting God home for supper, inviting Yahweh to a meal, and you had a sacred time of fellowship with the Lord and your family. Kind of communion, I think, really gets a bit of that fellowship meal. But this one, it's the one that's in Leviticus chapter 1. It's the burnt offering. You brought your animal, and it was almost always an animal, a burnt offering. It would be a young calf or a goat or a kid. And if you were very poor, you could bring a bird. But you would bring the animal there before the priest. And you would present the animal and place your hand on it symbolically to say that it was an expression of your heart. The priest would slit the animal's throat, drain the blood out, take some of the blood. And in on the four corners of the altar, there were horns. And he would put blood on the four corners, the horns of the altar. And then the animal completely and totally was placed on the altar and consumed entirely by fire. It was an extravagant, it was a sacrificial expression. It was a way for you to say, Lord, I praise you and worship you with everything I am. It was a complete and total presentation of sacrifice. Now, I don't know much about burnt meat, and I've certainly burned some on my time, and usually that doesn't smell good, but the Bible says when those burnt offerings were offered, it was a sweet savor to the Lord. God honors sacrifice. And you and I desperately need to understand sacrifice. Maybe we need to get better at it. We need to know it as well as we can Because literally, this idea then is now not that you present an animal, but what Paul says is present yourself. Forget about the animal. Think about literally walking into the tabernacle, into the presence of God, and climbing up on the altar and saying, Lord, here I am. All my gifts. All my ability, all of my energy, all of my time, all of my resources, complete and total. Here I am. I give myself to you. And Paul says that's the way every believer ultimately ought to respond to the Lord. I like the idea. And years ago, I kind of got the idea that what maybe we would build a life-size offering plate maybe five or six feet across, and literally, during an invitation, ask people to come down to the front and climb into the offering plate and say, Lord, here I am. And I thought, man, that's kind of, that's Romans 12.1. 
In fact, I even had a guy who was kind of a worker. He had plans. He brought them to me. It was going to be about six feet across. It was going to have a little door on a hinge on one side so that you could climb in and get in. And we never did do it. But the idea, that, that's what this passage is about. He says, because everything that Jesus has done, give yourself completely and totally to the Lord. Climb up on the altar. Be the offering. That's what he says is the reasonable response. The idea of everything I am. I have a great story my dad tells about a, a couple that he led to Christ. They were, uh, oh, I don't know, had teenage kids and uh, Fred and Marion and they accepted Christ and man, they were excited about Jesus and they decided they need to be baptized and one of their kids uh, was my high school or college roommate, first year in college at Carbondale. Marion had come down into the baptistry and she'd been baptized and Fred was on the other side and Fred started down and they didn't have robes and one of the people helping said, Fred, your wallet is still in your back pocket. And my dad said, Fred, we got time, go ahead and take it out. And Fred's response was, Pastor, baptize me and my wallet and everything I've got. And he got baptized and his wallet as well. Now, I just love that story because that's kind of this Romans 12. One, Lord, here I am. I give you everything I am. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This is for Christians. You and I begin by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's how we're saved. That's the only standing we have. And once we stand there, Paul says, this is the way you need to behave. But understand this idea that good things come with sacrifice. If you begin to think, and let me just give you a couple of illustrations, if you think about marriage and family, God wants to bless families, but I don't think families are ever what they ought to be unless sacrifice is there. Do you understand that it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Do you understand that that basically says if God is going to bless the marriage, it begins with the man who sacrificially, unselfishly gives himself to and for his wife. And then the language is just a little bit different for wives, but submission is the very same thing. It's give yourself sacrificially, selfishly, unselfishly, and submissively to and for your husband. And when husbands and wives do that, that's what makes a marriage what God wants it to be. Sacrifice. We just got through celebrating Mother's and Father's Day the last couple months. And we know that we're to honor them regardless of how they behave. But what really do we honor when we honor mothers and fathers? We honor their sacrifice. We honor their unselfish giving. We honor the way that they respond. That's the way it ought to be. And then if you go flip side around, we're talking to somebody about their, uh, their parent who is in a assisted living. When the parents get older, by the way, some of Jesus' harshest words were for folks who didn't take care of their parents. Understand when parents get older and can't take care of themselves for their children, it's not convenient. It's not easy. It requires sacrificial setting aside of time and going and doing the things, but God honors sacrifice, and good marriages, good homes, good families require this spirit of sacrifice. Today, there was a question of whether or not the doors would be open at Emmanuel Baptist Church this morning. We did open them, and we're kind of doing some things a little differently. We understand that, 
But you understand, there is never a church that opens its doors any place in the entire world that does not require the sacrificial gifts and serving of individuals. People are willing to say, I'm willing to take my time and prepare a Sunday school lesson. I'm, I'm willing to study. I'm willing to be there early. I'm willing to do the visiting and the calling. I'm, I'm willing to be involved. Uh, musicians are willing to prepare and practice and, and get ready and bring that stuff. And people who are willing to take care of the building, people who are willing to give their time. No church exists without service by the hundreds and hundreds of hours. We tend to pay some folks, and by the way, thank you very much, got my first check from Emmanuel this week, and there'll be an offering next Sunday because I'm going to be doing that, so that'll work out. But you understand, there are sacrificial gifts that are given, sacrificial service that is given, service that is only given to Jesus Christ as unto the Lord, and no church even remotely functions without happening in abundance. Now, here's some basic things, though, about this idea of sacrifice in everything, in your business life, in your family life, in your personal life. That idea of learning to give sacrifice is absolutely critical. But I want to suggest to you that, that when we're thinking about that, one of them is that he says, when you present your body as a living sacrifice, it should be holy and pleasing or holy and acceptable. In all those Old Testament sacrifices, there's a little phrase without blemish. In other words, you didn't bring a sacrifice that was crippled. You didn't bring a lamb that was diseased. You didn't bring a calf that had a broken leg. You didn't bring anything less than the very best that you had. That when you and I get around to serving the Lord, we always give our best. By the way, I have a, just a personal little thing about people who donate stuff to the church that they don't want anymore. I, that don't never seem right to me. That doesn't seem very sacrificial to me. Maybe you ought to keep the old thing and give something new to the church. I, I just always thought you give the very best that you've got. Holy and acceptable. In other words, the responsibility, and Paul makes it very clear, you and I need to present ourselves to the Lord and we need to be very careful about where we are spiritually when we do that. There's also an element, I think, that, that has something to do with the idea of, of reasonable service. I like the spiritual worship, but I, I really like the King James Version when it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which ultimately is your reasonable service. Here's what I think Paul's really saying. If Jesus Christ saved you by his sacrifice, if he's done all of the first 11 chapters and he's done that for you by the mercies of God, this is the only way to live a life of complete and total sacrifice to him. In fact, he would say, if you're not willing to do that, something's wrong. That's not spiritual. Something's not right. That's not acknowledging the worth of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. That's not worship. That's not reasonable. And to be very honest, sometimes I struggle. I, <clears throat> when folks find excuses to not serve God, too busy, can't afford it, don't have the time, we try and make excuses when 
sacrifice. Paul would just say, that doesn't make sense. That's not right. There's something wrong. That's not even reasonable or rational that literally the only way to live is to live a life of sacrifice. And then I would go a step farther to say that the very nature of sacrifice is sometimes something that if you and I don't practice sacrifice in some way, there are some things about the sacrifice of Jesus we will never understand. Sometimes you and I need to to volunteer to do something that takes us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we need to to choose to give some sort of service that really we're not even sure about. Sometimes we need to give in a way that maybe we've never given before. Every once in a while we need to write a check that's bigger than you really think you ought to be able to write. Sometimes we need to do that, and if we don't, we'll never really understand. the, The Catholic friends that I've had over the years, this concept of Lent and giving up stuff for Lent. I've had lots of things, and by the way, Brussels sprouts is not one that you can give up. I, I checked that out, talked to them about it, but, but you understand what they do in the, in the Catholic Church is for a period of weeks before Easter, before celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, they, as a way of understanding sacrifice, ask people to give up stuff. That for that period of time, I'm not going to watch TV. For that period of time, I'm not going to eat chocolate. For that period of time, I'm going to give up something. And the whole purpose is to learn about sacrifice in some way. Now, I don't know that we ought to do that. I think the Bible does talk about fasting, and maybe some of us need to fast from social media. Maybe we need to fast for some other things. But the idea of sacrificially finding ways to serve the Lord, finding ways to give to Him, there's something about the Spirit of God and the heart of Jesus Christ that you and I will never know if we never get to the place where we sometimes make sacrifice. So today... I hope you and I never have to experience what my grandparents went through. I hope our generation never has to go through those kinds of difficulties. COVID, I guess, has maybe been a little bit of that challenge, and I, I hope we never have to go through those kinds of things again. But I hope somehow we could get this sense of sacrifice. And I, I got to tell you, today, I'm still not sure I understand it well. But here's what could happen today, whether you're at home or whether you're here Whether you're watching this later, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if the the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross has never become personal, you've never really understood the mercies of God, then today the most important thing you could do is to respond to Jesus Christ. And then once you know him, to develop a spirit that says, Lord, here I am. I could be walking down an aisle. That, that's kind of the idea. The whole concept of the aisle and the altar is that this is a place where you would present yourself before the Lord. In fact, we sort of make a big deal about a public profession of faith. When you've come to know Christ, you present yourself at the altar and say, yes, Lord. And In fact, the natural response is to claim that Jesus is your Lord. Lord, here I am. All my resources, all my energy, everything I've got, Lord, I give it to you. That's surrender. That's the response to the cross. And maybe, just to be honest, when I preach a sermon like this, it just, in my mind, I think in this next week, God's going to present some opportunities for you, for you, for me, 
Maybe to give something that I've never given before. Maybe to do something that really causes me to go out of my way. Maybe to give something and do something that costs me at a level maybe that I'm not comfortable with, but that's the reasonable response to the mercies of God through Jesus Christ. But today we're going to sing at the cross. And, and I think Paul would say, if you've been to the cross where the blood ran red, sacrifice is how you meet Jesus, but it's how you live for him as well. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And as we sing, whether you sing at home or not, I was always a little uncomfortable singing at home, but I've tried it from my chair. I did that. Of course, the other part is I was preaching the sermon. I was watching my own service as well. That was a little awkward. But there's something about this nature of sacrifice that I don't think we'll ever get very far in our relationship with Jesus Christ if sacrifice doesn't become personal. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and for the privilege of joining him in sacrificial service in your kingdom and in your life. Father, we pray today that you'll bless us. Again, those of us who've worshipped here today, those who are worshipping at home. Father, for those who are struggling and dealing with those health issues, once again, we lift them up to you. But Father, we pray, most of all, this week, help us to give ourselves to you in every way that we can. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com. That's ibcbenton.com. Or give us a call at 618 439 3513.